It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Don't you believe that Jesus' last words should be our first priority? Because as God on earth, God in a human form, I believe he saved one of the most important commissions till the very last, so that it would linger in the minds of the disciples. What were those last words? Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said this, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I like the King James Version, to the uttermost parts of the earth. The very last thing he said was, you shall be witnesses, witnesses of who he was, what he did, what he provided, how important it is to connect with him in a covenant relationship. Now, there is a hidden mystery there because the word translated witnesses is martus, and martus is also translated martyr. That speaks volumes to me. I think it should speak volumes to all of us. If the same word translated witnesses is translated martyrs, could that be God's way of saying that we need to have a martyr mindset, a willingness to die to self, die to the world, die to embarrassment, die to fear, die to feelings of inadequacy, die to anything that could prevent you from fulfilling this calling because it's an exceptionally important calling. What if Jesus had no one in the world witnessing of who he was and what he did and what he provided through his death, burial, and resurrection? Then Christianity would come to a screeching halt. What if the advance of the kingdom of God depended on you? or depended on me to fulfill this responsibility? Would it advance, or would it slow down to a crawl? I don't think people realize how extremely important they are to the plan and the purpose of God. This should be something we cultivate, something that we do our best to fulfill in our lives so that others can be benefited. And that's the main thing. It's all about others. It's not about us. It's all about his glory being known and their benefit coming to pass through the gospel. You shall receive power. The word translated power there is dunamis, dunamis, which we get the word dynamite from. So in other words, there's an explosive power in you that can be released through your words. You have the power not to destroy good things, but to destroy strongholds of the enemy. 
a dynamite-like power to tear down the kingdom of darkness and install the kingdom of light. This pen I have is real nice. It's got all kinds of potential, but it won't do any good unless it's clicked and I can start writing with it. As long as that tip is hidden, it's somewhat useless, and it can lay on a desk for years and never fulfill its purpose. And in like manner, you and I have got to click into manifestation this calling to be witnesses. Now, what is a witness? A witness is someone who publicly affirms by word or action a certain religious faith or belief or conviction. Number two, a witness is someone who has personal knowledge. And that's a key definition because I have personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't just know about him. I don't just embrace a historical account of who he was and what he did. I know him personally. No one can take that from me. No rejection, no persecution is strong enough for me to doubt that. I've had too deep of a revelation of his reality. And so I have personal knowledge. That makes me a witness. That makes me a strong, stable, immovable witness because what I have, I've received from above. And number three, a witness is something serving as evidence or proof. You ought to lift your hand right now and say, I am the evidence in the court of public opinion that Jesus is the Savior. And if the evidence is not supplied, the court case is not successful. You need to ask God to give you boldness. Listen, if the early church had to pray for it, we need to pray for it. How many times you felt an urge? How many times you felt that inner compulsion to talk to someone, to share the gospel with someone, but for one reason or another, you did not do it, maybe out of depression, maybe out of a sense that you weren't capable enough to communicate to those persons? Well, what if that was an integral and an important step in the lives of those people for you to share the gospel with them? Then they could go for years without that puzzle part in place. And you're the one that could have supplied it. Proverbs 14.25 says, A true witness delivers souls. So you are God's means of deliverance, going to the people that you encounter on a day-to-day basis. It's such an important role. It's such a heavy responsibility. It's such a burdensome duty. But it's such a wonderful privilege at the same time, to represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords in this world. And it's true on many levels. A true witness delivers souls. You can witness the power of faith and deliver someone from unbelief. You can witness the power of grace and deliver someone from self-condemnation. It doesn't necessarily have to just be delivering the lost from ignorance of God or separation from God. It could be delivering Christians who are battling certain things, confusions or fears in 
you witness certain aspects of the gospel that deliver them. A true witness delivers souls, Proverbs 14 and 25. Now let's go all the way back to the beginning of the witness in Scripture. Chronologically, it happens in Genesis. It's talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more acceptable sacrifice or a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by the which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. So, the first witness in this world of a pathway back to God, the pathway of redemption, the pathway of reconciliation, was a witness provided by God himself. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more acceptable, more excellent sacrifice than Cain. What was the difference? Cain offered the fruit of the ground, which was representative or symbolic of human works, works of righteousness, religious works that people depend on to try and justify them in the sight of heaven. But Abel brought a blood sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb, which, of course, was symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ to come. And he obtained witness that he was righteous. In other words, that what he did was right in the sight of heaven. It was in alignment with God's purpose and plan. He obtained witness. Well, what was the witness? It was so evident, it was so real, that Cain immediately recognized that his brother Abel was a recipient of the favor of God, and he was not. So it must have been visible. It must have been apparent And I personally believe if it followed a pattern that was laid in place later on at the tabernacle and the temple and other occasions, that most likely literal fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. I've often said it was not just Cain that killed Abel, because if that be the case, if God's fire consumed that sacrifice, That was the only place in the entire world where God was manifesting. And you can believe, like a light gathers moths on a summer night, that manifestation of God gathered demons from far away to that one spot where God was moving. And yes, Cain may have been jealous, and yes, Cain may have been angry, but that jealousy and that anger rose to a point where I believe, like metal to a magnet, it attracted the demonic. I don't believe Cain would have killed Abel just because of human emotion. I believe there was a demonic intrusion into his life. He opened the door to it, so there's guilt on his part. But that was the enemy trying to crush the witness because this was a powerful witness of how to get back to God. This was a powerful witness of how to find God, how to reach God, a sacrificial lamb. And so the enemy wanted that stopped as quickly as possible. Okay, let's go to another powerful scripture from the Old Testament. It's called the Shema. It's the most revered passage of scripture in the Bible in the Old Testament to a Jewish person. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And in Hebrew, it's Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And the curious thing about it is that there, not in your Bibles, but in Hebrew Bibles, in the Old Testament version of the Bible that Jews use, the first word has a raised letter and capitalized. The last word has a raised capitalized letter. And together, those two words spell the Hebrew word ed, which is translated witness. So God was communicating through that emphasis. And of course, that's something Jewish people did because they interpreted it as being that important. God has since that time communicated through that emphasis in the Old Testament that one of the primary reasons Israel exists is to provide a witness in a polytheistic world, a world full of many gods, many interpretations of the nature of God, many religions. There's over 4,000, according to one estimate, that there is one true and living God. And we know him to be the triune God comprised of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God. And I believe Isaiah 43, 12 still speaks to us, where God said, listen, I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, the word therefore is an exciting word because it means a conclusion is reached. And when I see the word therefore, I want to find out what it's there for right? And God said, I have declared, in other words, I've revealed the truth to you, and I've saved. In other words, I have saved you from sin. I've given you a pathway back to God. I have declared and saved, and I have proclaimed your purpose, your identity. And there was no foreign God among you. He's not only talking to Jews under the Old Testament. He's talking to all of us who know him, There's not a false God. There's not a strange God. There's not a foreign God among us. We have the true and the living God. Therefore, a conclusion has been reached. If you have the true God, you are automatically commissioned to be his witnesses. Because if you don't do it, who will? If not now, then when? If I don't do it, who will? If not now, then when? This is the time, and whatever arena you find yourself in is the place, and this is the message. The Shema, once again, is what needs to be witnessed to the world, that there's one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's just one God. Now, that's interpreted two major ways. Uh, If you're a New Ager and you say there's one God, that's your way of saying every interpretation of the nature of God is really talking about the same God. Well, I don't agree with that. But if you're a Bible believer, you're saying there's one God to the exclusion of all others, all other interpretations of his nature and identity. See, a New Ager's view is all-inclusive. A Bible believer's view is exclusive. Same statement interpreted two different ways. But if you know that there is one God, you're called to be a witness of that. Next, number 17, verse 7. The tabernacle of Moses in that verse was referred to as the tabernacle of witness. The Hebrew word is eduth. 
similar to the word ed that I mentioned a while ago. The tabernacle of witness. Well, why did God refer to the tabernacle that way? Because there were many things, many truths, many concepts that are extremely valuable that were witnessed through the tabernacle. Now, I'm not going to go into all of them because I'm going to do a a podcast in this series, Discover Your Spiritual Identity, on our calling to be the tabernacles of God. And that's found uh, in Psalm 46. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful revelation. And I'll go into greater depth about the tabernacle then. But there's two main things the tabernacle witnessed. As they journeyed through the wilderness for 40 years, and God gave Moses the design for the tabernacle, and of course the ark was in the Holy of Holies, and the glory of God rested on the ark. That was God's way of witnessing that he desired to dwell among his people. That was his passion, his desire. However, only the high priest could come into the glory of God, the Shekinah, the Jews call it. And that word Shekinah means the one who dwells because he desired to dwell among his people. But only the high priest could go in beyond the veil on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, one time a year. So even though God witnessed that he desired to dwell among his people, he also witnessed that he was unapproachable. At that time, they could not enter through the veil into the Holy of Holies. So it was kind of a tension there between what God wanted and what was possible. Well, thank God we are tabernacles of the Most High now. And we can not only enter the Holy of Holies, but our regenerated spirits can become the Holy of Holies. And as I said, I'll reserve that for a future program. Tabernacles of the Most High, that's a calling that rests upon us. Let's go to a Messianic prophecy, actually two Messianic prophecies uh, referred to Jesus this way. In Isaiah 55, verse 4, God said concerning the Messiah to come, Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. So God is referring to the coming Messiah as a witness. This is a role that he filled. This is a status that he occupied. This is a responsibility that he fulfilled. And you and I are his many brethren. He was the firstborn among many brethren. If that calling rested upon him, what if he had not come? What if Jesus had not spoken the words he spoke? What if he had never brought hope into hopeless lives? What kind of horrid condition would this world be in? But he was a martyr. He was a witness willing to die for what he knew to be true. And you and I have got to fulfill the same calling. We can shift the responsibility and say, what I have to say is not so important. Oh, yes, it is. Because he told you and me, occupy until I come. He stepped out of that role as the witness in this world of the truth. And now he says to you, occupy that position. I'm depending on you. Occupy that position. The second messianic prophecy was spoken by the Lord Jesus himself. He prophesied concerning his own role 
to Pilate. Pilate said, are you a king? He thought it was absurd. He thought it was ridiculous. He didn't realize he was standing in front of the king of the universe making mockery. How ironic that was. How tragic that was. He said, are you a king? And Jesus said, for this purpose I was born, and for this cause I came into the world to bear witness of the truth. And all that are of the truth will hear my voice, he said. To bear witness of the truth. I believe if Jesus said that, you and I need to say that. For this cause I was born into this world. For this purpose I exist, I live, to bear witness of the truth. What a role. What a role. Don't say I can't do it because he said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. He could have said anything. He could have emphasized anything at that point. He told them to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. He could have said, you shall receive joy after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be those that are happy in God. Well, that's true, but that's not the emphasis. He could have said, you will be blessed after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be an an exhibition. You will be proof of the blessing of God in the world. Well, that's true, but that wasn't his emphasis. He could have said, you will be the prosperous, and God will prosper all that you do and all that you say, and you'll be a revelation of prosperity to those that long to have prosperous lives. But that wasn't the emphasis. He said, you shall be my witnesses after this power comes upon you. Dunamis power. So he gives you power to overcome your fears and to find ways of doing it. My wife can tell you I carry with us as we journey around the country Bibles or New Testaments, rather, in various languages. I have a New Testament in the Tamil language in uh, my car. I have the New Testament in Gujarati because most Indian people that uh, take care of gas stations and convenience stores are from Gujarat state. So I carry that with me. I carry DVDs of the Jesus story in the Arabic languages and in languages that Muslims uh, dominantly uh, uh, use. And so uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, I'm equipped to witness to a Muslim, to witness to a Hindu. And I believe we should think through our lives and make sure we're ready. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you about the hope that is in you. Okay? Let's go to Matthew 24, verse 14. Jesus talked about the last days, and this is a sign of the last days. His disciples wanted to know the signs that his second coming was near. And one of those signs in verse 14 says, this gospel of the kingdom, not a gospel of denominationalism, not a gospel promoting a human organization, Christian organization, but he said this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end shall come. This is an hour when missionary work should reach a peak, and with the internet, we should be doing our utmost to take advantage of that, 
Three years ago, I had this burden and vision to create a website, thetruelight.net. Now, we'd had a very inferior website that was at that web address for quite a few years, 10, 15 years, but I was never satisfied with the way it looked or its function, and we didn't get that many hits. But we started doing something on a much more professional level three years ago. We just checked the stats a few days ago. We've had over 2,600,000 hits on that website in three years. And people get saved all the time. Just two days ago, I prayed with someone to receive Jesus into her heart who had been very, very involved in yoga and Eastern religions. What if I never built that website? I acted on an idea. One of my favorite quotes is one uh, that really resounds in the inner chamber of my heart often. It goes like this. And it was Jack London who gave this quote. Bring thoughts in and entertain them royally, for one of them may be the king and may exalt you to honor. I like to change it a little bit. Bring thoughts in and entertain them royally, for one of them may be from the king of kings and may exalt you to a place of purpose and power. So start thinking, how can I be a better witness? We've had hundreds of people from over a hundred nations really find the truth on thetruelight.net. And other things that we do, our travels, our evangelistic work, we're all called to do it together. And I'm going to end this podcast with a promise, a promise that's found in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I believe it's a promise because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for us. Who is them? I'm talking about the early disciples. Listen, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So if you witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, God is going to bear witness of you with manifestations of the supernatural. I'm believing that that will happen. Let me pray for you. God, I ask you to pour boldness into the life of your child who wants to be a vocal, outspoken witness of your love and your truth in this world. May an excessive awakening of that potential take place in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.